This is Right Now Word with Pastor Kingsley Osei. We are glad that you have joined us for this great time of preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Enjoy this life-changing experience. Father, we have come before your holy presence. We're thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for your blessings over our lives. We're thankful for the joy that you have set before us. You are our hope and our faith. We want to acknowledge your presence in this place. Thank you for the corporate anointing. Thank you for the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you for the encountering of your presence through worship of your people in the midst of your congregation and the assemblies of the saints. We are ready to hear your word now. Speak to us. Your servants heareth. Minister to us, equip us. Father, encourage our faith, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We declare that if there is anybody bound by anything, we declare the liberty of Christ by the hearing of God's word. For they that the Lord has set free are free indeed. And Father, we speak the anointing of leadership, the anointing of prosperity, the anointing of healing, the anointing of obedience, the anointing of humility to infiltrate our life and be demonstrated so that our light will shine before all men and give you, our Heavenly Father, all the glory. Our spirits are open. Our heart is open. Our mind is open. Father, open our eyes deeper. And Father, may we be drawn closer to you in the power of your might by the hearing of your word. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In Genesis chapter 20, finishing and concluding uh, part 2, of the sermon series entitled God's Special Agents. In Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 20 from verse 1, the Bible reads, And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and stayed in Jirah. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Jirah, sent and took Sarah. Bad mistake because, not only because of the adultery, but because of whom Sarah's husband was. And Abimelech, a king of Jirah, sent and took Sarah. Verse 3 now. God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man. How many of you know when God tells you you're a dead man, you're a dead man? <laughs> Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken for she is a man's wife that's one problem but there's even a deeper problem so here let's make it clear you don't chase after another man's wife can i get a wave our friend it's sad but you have to say that in this generation i know our church we're a good church but there are many that are watching bless the lord you don't go after another man's wife or another woman's husband Bless the Lord. If this was a Sunday morning, I'll have you give Jesus a wave, our friend. Verse 4, but Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even herself said that. He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. Verse 6. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld from you sinning against me. Therefore, I did not 
I heard from you sending against me, verse 6. Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld from you sending against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Verse 7 now. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, the Lord said to Abimelech. Restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all that are yours. In Acts chapter 9, we are introduced to a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias, after Paul's Damascus experience of conversion, we come to know him. Ananias. Ananias was a uniquely delegated individual who was equipped with specific purpose to provide baptism and personal ministry training for Paul's conversion and assignment to the Gentiles. Those who knew Ananias knew him as an ordinary Jew, but God has preserved and reserved him for a unique purpose that nobody knew when you read the book of Acts, you will know that many people knew of Ananias but they had no idea what his ultimate assignment was Ananias was a man that had been planted alongside the 7,000 prophet that we spoke of through the recap of the video uh, alongside the 7,000 men that Elijah himself didn't know that they existed alongside Enoch whom scripture only talk about in five or four verses. Five if you include the mentioning in the book of Jude, Enoch. And all these men, Isaiah chapter 53 as we had mentioned through the video. A man by, a man by the name of Joseph Arimathea prophesied about thousands of years before the birth of Christ. The moment he was born, God set him apart. And God began to prepare him with riches so that he would fulfill his assignment concerning the death, the burial of Jesus Christ. This man lived his entire life knowing that God had spoken to him. And then you go all the way through scripture. There are so many more. The wise men whom were on the field and instantly they knew what the star was saying to them and went and fulfilled their assignment on the earth. And then we read of Abraham in Genesis chapter 20 where he had gone to the land of the foreign land of Abimelech and nobody knew who he was, nobody knew what he represented, but he was a man established by God. And God had ordained him, not only as a prophet, but the carrier of a nation of God's people in his loins, and Abimelech did not know. So Abimelech was going to commit two sins. Number one, he was going to lie with a married woman. And secondly, the Bible says God told Abimelech, don't touch, him, don't touch her also, because he's a prophet of mine. How many of you here knew that Abraham, Abraham was a prophet the whole time. God had established him. In Luke chapter 2, we come across a man by the name of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. God had ordained him uniquely. And he had been having a covert conversation with God that nobody knew about. And then in verse 29 and verse 30, verse 30 of the second chapter of the book of Luke, as Mary and Joseph were in a public place, this man shows up 
Mary and Joseph had no idea who he was. He comes in and he embraces this man and, this wa- and, and, and his wife. And he embraces the child also. And he spoke something that was incredibly amazing to the hearing now of the readers of this gospel and to the hearing of Mary and Joseph. This man said that he had been talking to God and God had assured him that his eyes will not close into eternity until that eyes behold the Messiah. The moment he saw Jesus, God had already told him what the baby was going to look like, what the baby was going to smell like, what the baby was going to be clothed in. The moment he saw Jesus, he knew this was the Messiah. And this was his declaration in verse 30. My eyes now has beheld the Savior, the salvation of Israel. And now, Lord, you can call me home. This man was set up without anybody's knowledge. That he will be a secret agent, a special agent in fulfilling God's purpose on this earth. And nobody knew about him. One of the most incredible stories that we spoke of last week was also in Luke chapter 19, the man with that donkey. He had already had a relationship with Jesus and the disciples didn't even know it. In Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he sent his disciples and said, I need a ride into Jerusalem so that the people will worship me as I prepare my body as a sacrifice for the salvation of the world. I want you to go to this village and you're going to see a coat, a donkey tied up by a tree. And when you go, don't ask anybody any question. Don't say anything to anybody. Go and untie that donkey because nobody has sat on it and a man will come to you and ask you why are you taking that donkey first and foremost this man has been keeping watch of the donkey the moment he realized that Jesus's death was at hand the moment you begin to untie that donkey that man is gonna come to you and he's going to ask of you why are you touching this why are you untying this donkey it is reserved for a specific purpose the man knew the whole time that the savior was going to come for that donkey when did God have a conversation with that man and how did the man know even much more intriguing the moment the disciples got there and the man came and asked the Bible says this was Jesus's response to the disciples to the man then the disciples said the master not a master or somebody the master attributing and denoting an already existing relationship between that man many of you think Jesus had 12 disciples in the gospels no he had the 12 selected ones that excluded Judas, including Matthias, that became the apostles. But Jesus had the 12. Jesus had the 70. Jesus had the multitude. This man was a disciple of God the whole time that nobody knew about. Let me tell you, church, amongst you, God has established secret people that are working his purpose all around you. Don't ever think the RCMP and the CIA and the FBI invented covert operations. God started it before the foundation of the world. God started setting up strategic people. Some of them have hired you in your workplaces without you even knowing. Some of you have helped you. Last week, I spoke of a man who helped me when I finished post-secondary. 
in acquiring an amazing position and giving me a package so I could go to school. I've searched for that man for many years and could not find him and cannot find him. Let me tell you something. God has set up strategic people in strategic places for his purpose on this earth. My prayer is that church will become part of those that God is using for our generation. That's my prayer. My prayer is that we don't become ignorant of the things of God that are operating, that we make ourselves available. God use us. God use us. God use us. God use us. These men and these women are not celestial beings. They are not angels. They are humans. Let's put James chapter 5 verse 17 on the screen. James chapter 5 verse 17. These men are not celestial beings. They are not unique angels that are equipped with any divine ability. James tries to tell the church in the 17th verse, he said, Elijah was a human being even as we are. Elijah was a human being even as we are. Listen to me before we continue reading that, that scripture. Sometimes we read of these men and women of God in scripture and we see them as divine. The Bible calls you a saint also. The church in Corinth, with all the trials and tribulations and all the calamity and carnality that was going on there, the apostle Paul still called them saints of the most high God. You are saints before God. You are a vessel set apart for the kingdom glory. You are an instrument in the hands of God. He calls you an ambassador for Christ. You are heir for him. Hallelujah. You carry the mantle of the most high God. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, may this word marinate in the spirit of your people today so that they will fulfill the purpose by which you've given unto them. Don't separate yourself from the apostle Paul. He was a man just like you. Don't separate yourself from Esther. She was a woman just like you. Don't separate yourself from Deborah. She was a woman just like you. Don't separate yourself from Elijah. He was a man just like you. The Bible is trying to get you to understand that they, these individuals were humans just like you. They operated in the divine but they had to set themselves apart. And if you will set yourself apart, the Bible says that in a great house, there are many vessels, vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of clay, vessels of hay and straw. If anybody will separate themselves, hallelujah, and be cleansed of God, God is going to use that vessel. God is not a respect of person. God is not using them because they're special. They were men and women just like you. And in this generation, God is looking for great men and great women, not great within themselves because in this earthen vessel, there's a treasure so that the glory may not come from us and may not be of us but may be of him we are humans just like they are and they were humans just like we are the Bible is trying to tell you don't separate yourself from the Elijahs and the Moses and, and, and the Joshua's and the Deborah's and the Jephthah's and the Samson's they were humans just like you as a matter of fact let me tell you something you sow the seed for the purpose of the tree and the fruit. First Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1 through 6 tells you that all these individuals went through that what they went through so that there will be an example for you. They sold their life for yours. That means God sees you as very unique and special, preserved for this generation. You miss the mark when you don't pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. Therefore, if you hear his voice in this generation, Hebrews was using them as an example for us that because they did not hearken unto the voice of God, many of them fell and died in the wilderness without perceiving the promised land. But may we not miss him. May we not miss the Holy Spirit. May we not miss the hand of God. May we not miss the voice of God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 tells you, therefore today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart so that you may hear his voice in this season. If the there's ever been a generation that needs to hear the voice of God it is this generation if there's ever been a generation where the people of God need to stand up and rise up and become special agent for the glory of God it is this generation there's never been a human being or population of humans living on the face of the earth more than this generation no generation have ever come close to being 8 billion people populated on this earth than this generation this generation needs us they need your message they need your gospel they need your testimony don't hide in your bedrooms. Don't hide in your rooms. Nobody lights a light and hides under a table or under a bushel, but it's put above the hill so that everybody will see a, a light set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city light that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. You are God's ambassadors. You are God's agent. It's time for us to rise up. Let people complain. Let people whine. But we have a cause. We have a destiny. We have a destination. We have places to go. We have a gospel to preach. We have a message to declare. Let's stand up and rise up, church. This is our generation. This is David's service generation. This is our generation. We are not going to back down no matter what anybody says. They shut the door down. We're still going to find a way to preach the gospel. If they shut the churches down, we're not nervous. Listen to me. God said something incredible through the message last week. The biggest church in the world is in a place where church services are not allowed. I was disturbed in my spirit last Sunday after service when I went home and I was meditating on the word that came forth. And I was disturbed. Let me be real with you. Let me be real with you. The North American church, the Western church, has the greatest liberty Listen to me carefully. Has the greatest religious liberty in comparison to any other territory in the world. They have the strongest voices publicly than any other region in the world. The North American church and the citizens of the Western world have greater liberty to speak against the government more than any other region in the world. Yet, we still think we're bound. It disturbs me. It, it bothers me that some religious leaders are crying out for the liberty of the church when we have the greatest liberty of religion in the whole entire world. My question is, what are you doing with the liberty that you have right now? People are fighting for religious liberty so they can stay home more and watch services. So they don't want to show up prayer meetings. The biggest church in the world is in a country where religious gathering is illegal. We're complaining. Again, my question to you is, what are you doing with the liberty that you have right now? In North America, people come to church and they're looking at their clock. 
Pastor, you told us service is going to be done at 12.30. It's 12.25. You got five more minutes. Ready, set, go. We're fighting for more liberty, and we're not doing nothing with the ones that we have right now. There are certain countries that have church services, and they're allowed to have church service, but they dare not speak against the government. Their church will be shut down. Here, you can preach against the government. What liberty are you fighting for? It's an excuse. Instead of looking within, we're looking on the outside. The reason why we cannot have the move of the Spirit is because of the government. The government are putting restrictions on us. There are certain countries in the world, at least now, we're able to have 30% capacity. There are certain countries in the world that are not allowed to have church service at all. And believers are still looking for ways because they understand your assignment and the sensitivity and the significance of their relationship with God. And we are putting all our energy, instead of fighting the devil and preaching the gospel with the liberty that we have, we put all that liberty aside and we're fighting for more liberty. For what? So that on Sunday mornings you continue to stay home? So that at 12.30 you want to get out of here so you can go to Swiss Chalet? That that's the liberty we're asking and praying for? Lord, forgive us. I'm being real with you. Lord, forgive us. Before you pray for more liberty, think about what you're doing with the liberty that you have right now. There are countries in Africa that the pastor cannot stand in a pulpit and preach against the, uh, preach against the government. They'll be jailed. There are countries in Central America, South America, in Asia, that the preacher cannot stand in a pulpit and preach against the government. They'll go to jail. Their church will be shut down. Here we can preach against the, against the government. We can preach against anybody we want because of religious liberty. And we're still fighting against the government. As though it's the government's fault as to why the church is not moving or Christians need uh, some inspiration. Listen, if those that went ahead of us that gave their life for the gospel will not have any excuse. We should never have any excuse. God sets up special agents. Moving forward, you hear anybody trying to fight for religious liberty? Ask them, what are you doing with the liberty you have right now? Right now, you can't have church. It was so encouraging when the Lord began to speak to me Sunday afternoon after service. Kingsley, I don't know why my church is so fixated on fighting for religious liberty when they have the greatest religious liberty to worship me and to serve me and to propagate the gospel more than any other religion in the world. It broke me. Looking for excuses. These special individuals were manifested in seasons. Sometimes God will select them in groups for his glory. In a sacred proportion, the disciples became those agents in the book of Acts. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, write that scripture down. A very important scripture. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, were revealed the sons of Issachar. The Bible says, Having a transcendent understanding of what they ought to do and what God was doing in that time. Thereby tapping into the insight of God in their season. The Bible says the sons of Issachar understood the time and knew what they ought to do. Meaning in every time God is doing something that calls us to have all of our effort in trying to understand the times. Listen, one of the best approaches that the Lord will have you have in this season it's praying and paying attention 
and becoming sensitive to the Holy Spirit and beginning to talk to the Lord and saying, Lord, help me to understand the times that we're in and what we ought to do. If you don't understand the time, you won't know what to do. The Bible says the sons of Issachar knew, understood the time, and thereby knowing what to do. Urgency comes in when you know that we don't have any more time left on this earth. Urgency comes in when you know God is doing something amazing and you don't want to be missed out. Urgency comes in when we know that God is doing something and he wants us to do something on his behalf. Urgency comes in when we understand our calling and we're not walking in our calling and God reveals that to us. Urgency comes in. Let me tell you, church, that God has called you not just a pastor, not just ministers, God has called all of you with ministry of reconciliation. All of you. Some of you. Hello, dear friend. I trust you're enjoying the word of God. I'm praying that the word of God blesses you and fills you with the glory of God in every arena of your life. I want to pray with you. I was reading Job chapter 14, the 14th verse. And if you're familiar with the story of Job, Job went through many adversities in his present day. He was going through many calamity. It felt like darkness had filled his life. But there was one secret that Job had. He had set his heart, his faith, and his eyes on the future concerning what he knew God was planning ahead of him. Job chapter 14, verse 14, the Bible says, If a man dies, shall he live again? Concerning the works of God, he was believing that anything that the Lord was about to do for him was going to manifest while he was alive. So again, verse 14 of Job, the 14th chapter, If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my heart's service, I will wait till my change comes. I'm declaring that there will be a change in your life, a progressive change, a change that will lead you towards the glory of God and the favorable hand of God. Maybe you believe in God for a change in your health. You believe in God for healing in your body. Maybe you believe in God for salvation for a loved one or a financial breakthrough. I'm declaring with you that change is coming and change shall come. Let's pray together. Father, we declare in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for that lost loved one that needs salvation. We declare that your mighty hand will, Lord God, grab hold of them and bring them into the kingdom of God. We call that loved one into salvation in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe in God for healing, join your faith with me. Father, I declare healing over this precious soul right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare, Father, that you would touch every part of your body in the mighty name of Jesus from their fingertip to the sole of their feet all the way through to the crown of their head. I declare the mighty healing of God. Receive a healing touch from our Heavenly Father right now in the mighty name of Jesus. May the Lord touch you. May the Lord heal you. May the Lord restore you. May the Lord bless every single part of your body. Receive healing. I command every single oppression to leave your body right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive a supernatural alignment, your body, your soul, your spirit in a perfect alignment under the unction of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe in God for a financial breakthrough, I declare with you right now and I stand by faith with you. Receive a supernatural breakthrough, a financial breakthrough. May the Lord touch you. May the Lord restore you. May He bless you. May He cause you to be situated in His glory. May He cause you to be situated in His favor. I declare the power of God, the might of God to work in your favor. Change has come to you. I declare in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Were you touched by the word today? Here's an opportunity to help right now word spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. For your love gift of $20, 
you'll receive a copy of Pastor Kingsley Osei's dynamic and life-changing message called Kingship Inheritance. And for your love gift of $50 or more, you'll receive Kingship Inheritance alongside with Pastor Kingsley's book entitled Words of Influence with over 700 powerful and influential quotes. To get these books, please give by texting RNWORD to the number 289-806-3040 or write to Victory International Church, 2799 Barton Street East, Hamilton, Ontario, L8E2J8, Canada. For more information, please call us at 1-888-983-2484. Thank you for watching Right Now Word with Pastor Kingsley Osei. We would like to invite you to join us for worship at Victory International Church, located at 2799 Barton Street East, Hamilton, Ontario. Once again, thank you for watching Right Now Word with Pastor Kingsley Osei.